Ukrainians from Leeds, England, from their CD Vorona, which means crows, and that was Serce i Dushem, Heart and Soul. Dobry den, Shinovni Radio Suchachi Tavitayuvas Sikh, Naradio Predachu Nash Holos Radio Krinsko Ho Korinia, Nakveli CHLY Stoadeni Sim FM, Umistinanaimo. Primikrofonitsu Hodenu Ye Pavlina, A Pisitsoho Oksana Buddhisvame, Nestupni Pifudene. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Paula Demchik Macquarie, Pokrinske Pavlina, and I'll be your host for this first hour. Oksana will be here at 12 noon to host the rest of the show in Ukrainian. This hour in this week's show is going to be all about the Kuban Cossacks. Uh, we've dug down into the Nasholos audio archives and came up with a three-part series, uh, courtesy Irena Bell of the Ukrainian Hour radio program in Ottawa, and also an interview with Nadia Kazimira, who narrated and produced the series. As well, we'll have our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is Kiev Orchestrio with Madalena.
with an original composition of his, Fly, Kozak, Fly. In the spring of 2018, Nash Holos aired a three-part series on the Kuban Kozaks, which came to us courtesy Irena Bell, host of the Ukrainian Hour in Ottawa. That happened in the fall of 2017, and on November 7th, I spoke with the narrator of the series, Nadia Kazimira. Here's that interview now. Recently, my friend and colleague Irena Bell aired a three-part series on her show called 40 Years in Show Business, The Legacy of the Kuban Kazakhs. Irena's show airs weekly on Chin Radio in Ottawa and features interesting guests and guest commentaries by freelance contributors. One of her contributors is Nadia Kazimira, who produced and hosted this feature on the Kuban Kazakhs, a truly remarkable troupe of Ukrainian singers and dancers from London, England, that toured the world in the 1960s and 70s and became a sensation in the entertainment world. Nadia kindly agreed to tell us the story behind the story of her Kuban Kazakhs feature, as well as a bit about herself. So thank you for joining us, Nadia. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate that. So how long have you known Irena Bell and uh, been contributing to her show? Well, Irena Bell and I met quite a long time ago, probably around 1976, when I moved from Saskatchewan to Ottawa to continue my university studies. And at that time, she was very active, as she has always been, in the Mm -hmm. Ukrainian community. And I was becoming acquainted with the Ukrainian community in Ottawa. That's how I met her. So, well, we'll get to the Kuban Cossacks in a minute, but tell me some of the other contributions that you've made to Irena's show. Well, Irena has been hosting her show for many, many years and does it almost always by herself with her input. And, and she's the lead, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the last couple of years, others have helped with small features or some people have even taken over the entire show. And I'm interested in Ukrainian music. I'm interested in people associated with music. And so when I approached uh, Irena, I said, would you be interested in 
having something done about, for example, Michael Minsky. I was fascinated by this particular baritone opera singer. Uh-huh. And another was that I found very interesting was Solomia Krushenitska, who mm-hmm. was a renowned opera singer from Ukraine who toured the world at that time in the 19th century. Beginning of the 20th, I was interested in St. Vlad's Choir in the seminary uh, in Roblin, Manitoba. So I've done short pieces off and on for, I guess, almost 10 years for yeah. Irena. So uh, would you consider yourself then like a freelance broadcaster or just a kind of a specialist in Ukrainian music that you love to share? I don't know what I would consider myself. <laughs> I would never say I was a specialist. I just, I have a background in music. Uh-huh. I have degrees in history. I would say that I'm a researcher and I love to research. And I thought uh, it would be wonderful to share some of this. There are so many interesting things happening in the Ukrainian community. Oh, yeah. Uh, within Canada and abroad and have happened in the past, and with time, things are forgotten. So I thought, hmm, I should try and assemble something that would be appropriate for radio and share it with Irena, and she usually uses what I produce. And shares it uh, with others, as she's done with this series and the Roblin uh, Choir as well. And a lot of these, I have to say, Nadia, bear rebroadcasting because people forget, and they are wonderful stories. They're a treasure that we do need to preserve. So thank you for doing this work. I'm sure you don't get... Thank you for... (laughs) For providing the venue for sharing. That is what many people don't realize, that you need venues, you need people who uh, facilitate these things. And so I'm in awe of those individuals, such as yourself, such as Irena, and others in broadcasting who do this weekly, or some do it daily. Um, This is a tremendous amount of work. Yeah, well, it is, and we don't really, I'm sure you don't, as as we don't, get paid to do it <laughs> for the most part. Oh, we get paid the Ukrainian way. Yeah, okay. And we, a big thank you, mm-hmm. and a big thank you. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? We do this for love, not money. And uh, so thank you again for doing this. So how did you become acquainted with the Kuban Cossacks? Well, the Kuban Cossacks originated from Australia and left Australia to Europe uh, in the late 50s, early 60s. But from there, they ended up in the United States. In 1972, when I was attending and completing my studies at the University of Regina, I was also at the same time the president of the Ukrainian Students Club called the Alpha Omega. That's the tradition out west in Saskatchewan. Uh And Susk was approached by the organizers of the Kuban Kazakh Tour of Canada. And from there, I was approached to if I could help with uh, promotion and some facilitation ticket sales for their uh, performance in Regina. And so that is how I became acquainted with them, and particularly their performance in the fall of 1972, But I had read about them in 
uh, Ukrainian newspapers. My parents subscribed to just about everything produced mm-hmm. in Canada by mm-hmm. the Ukrainians. <laughs> from the United States. Right. So I knew of them. Okay, so it sounds like you're just a couple of years older than me because I re- 72 is the year I graduated from high school and I was in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and I had no idea that this group was around, never heard of them until the 1990s when uh, I was doing Nash Holis with a couple of colleagues, one of whom knew about them. That was, I thought that they were based in London, I guess because maybe the album that we had, they got a lot of airplay on, on that uh, incarnation of Nash Holis, and I guess it must have been recorded in London because that is the one where they had London, the London well, Bridge did. in the background. They did. They had a base in Paris, and they had a base in London, England. And for a good many years, given the fact that they had access to people in the advertising business, they had direct access to uh, the big bands of uh, Great Britain uh, and their own efforts. They were so busy dancing and they were so busy trying to find their next performance Mm -hmm. that they had to assemble certain efforts that they did in recording. And that's how... um, the credits appear always that um, the recordings were made in London for parts of what appeared in Canada and in the United States because they created three LPs during their career. So they certainly they were very um, international and uh, what an amazing group. I mean, they were so talented, you know, just listening to the music, not seeing them dance. And of course, they're very, very smart businessmen. Well, the only one whom I've been acquainted with, and that's through email and constant correspondence, is Vasil Kovalenko. And Vasil Kovalenko is the last remaining Kuban Cossacks of the original ensemble of three. And that's what I always thought. There were only three. But really, it's a brand name. And Ah. as their repertoire developed and as opportunities presented, the name was used for an ensemble that included more than just the three. So they had uh, young women dancing, Mm -hmm. also singing, they had bands, and they had other dancers. Some of them were from Canada, some of them were from the United States. Many of of the singers, for example, were not of Ukrainian background. So they were very clever in giving them roles to sing so that you wouldn't notice the fact or you wouldn't have to know to speak because their songs were mostly in Ukrainian with some English. But I, I, when I realized this, I, it was like a eureka moment because I couldn't quite understand how did they do all of this yeah. all the time. Yeah, so it was really a, a, a business venture. They very smart businessmen and, and it was wonderful that they did this because they left such a legacy. Yes, they did. At that time in Canada, you mentioned your roots in Yorkton. In the the late 60s, early 70s, there wasn't much of this available. No. And certainly there were certain people of my generation, not necessarily me, but others, some of the colleagues that I knew, who were interested in bringing Ukrainian music and anything that was interesting to the radio and to to share it with people through records. And so when this came on, this was absolutely revolutionary for (laughs) uh, the baby boomers. We hadn't heard anything like this before. We were quite taken. Yeah, but it's different from the kind of music that I... Well, if you're from Saskatchewan, where in Saskatchewan are you from? 
I um, lived and grew up in Regina, Saskatchewan. Okay, so, yeah, so not far from Yorkton. So my no. my grandparents were homesteaders, and then um, we lived a little bit of time on the homestead farm, and then, you know, moved to, uh, out to Yorkton and other small communities. And so there really wasn't much, really, for Ukrainian culture. There was a church, and there was the Ukrainian radio show, Dan Chomlak. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, that was it. And my parents liked the old polkas that were not even so much purely Ukrainian. They were a mishmash of all the settlers. So, so there was lots of there was Polish and Czech and Norwegian and and Celtic and everything kind of mishmashed in there. Lovely, lovely. It's a genre unto itself. I think it's the people in Ontario and Quebec now call it Ukrainian country music. It was very different from the, what the Kuban Cossacks brought. Well, Kuban Cossacks was for a different kind of audience. They wanted to, uh, shall we say, take the cabaret world by storm. Right. They were on international stages, but big dance floors where you had big bands. Um, they also had humor, uh, which they included in their in their shows. Um, they had singing. Uh, which they included. But it was a different form of entertainment for a different kind of audience. That's why uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, they were very active in the United States, particularly uh, in Reno, Nevada. Um, They were in Palm Springs. They were involved in the casinos and providing the four shows there. No kidding. So it was different kind of yeah, a performance. And yes. for a different audience. So it had to be a lot more polished. So. Well, I think because they were high energetic, very vibrant, uh, very colorful, mm-hmm. very sleek, yeah. athletic, they captivated their audiences. And they had a huge following, a huge, huge following. Who knew? This is so amazing to me because, you know, this was just happening totally oblivious. I've considered myself, you know, very much in touch with my roots and and also, you know, doing this program for almost 30 years, knowing my music. And I certainly knew about the Kuban Cossacks, but not in this depth. So this is fantastic that you undertook this project. And so what was it that spurred you to do it? I mean, they've been off the scene for really for 45 years, right? And and, and many of them have, have passed on now. And Well, you see, there's one mistake in what you've just said. Oh. What I always thought as well. <laughs> well, they're off the scene. Well, I don't know. I wasn't there. But it could have been that they managed others to dance. And they used the name Kuban Cossacks. It wasn't necessarily the three that started. But they may have taught various dance routines, and so on and so forth. So the Kuban Cossacks, really, the nucleus started in 1956 in Australia, uh-huh. moved on to Europe, then North America, and then, of course, they traveled around the world. So I don't know whether there were other people dancing at that time with them or not, hmm. or what did the act contain. I don't know. But the name continues. And, and certainly it continues to this day. Wow. And wow. Uh, it was Vasil Kovalenko, absolutely. He is very proud of what they did. There was nothing like that on the stage. He's mentioned this to me many times when we've corresponded. They wanted to uh, share the Ukrainian culture around the world with many people who were not familiar with it and to be proud of it. And that's what he is doing to this very day. 
when he writes his letters, always Slava Ukraini, <laughs> Kubanski Kozak, Vasil Kovalenko. Oh, wow. That's the way he signs his letters. So how did you hook up with him? Well, it started with one of the Kumpan brothers. That would have been Mikola Kumpan, died in Paris. And there was a review of his life and a tribute to him in, in an Australian newspaper, but Ukrainian. It was signed by Vasil Kovalenko. Okay. And so I, had, I contacted the newspaper, and that's how it happened. Okay, so you reached out to him, and he very, uh, was very happy to um, help you with... With your uh, yes, he was. Uh, we had a wonderful collaborative relationship, and I've, I'm very indebted to him for all his assistance. And he was involved at every step of the way to, to verify the information that I had, because it was a tremendous amount of digging, 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 from newspapers, trying to get the music, and, of course, knowing what would be appropriate for radio, uh, trying to find people who had known of the Kuban Cossacks, attended their concerts, getting their thoughts, getting reviews. It's a lengthy process. Yeah. So it was also, I imagine, a bit of a technical challenge. You had some help? Yes, I most certainly did. My three programs dealing with the Kuban Cossacks wouldn't have seen the light of day if it hadn't been for a wonderful technician who knows music very well, is very skilled, has a good ear, and that was Tom Barnes, who is highly regarded in Ottawa for his skills in uh, in the Ottawa area. So that would might have made things a little bit easier for you, because it sounds like the research was quite a challenge. <laughs> well, he didn't do the research. I was the researcher. Right. He did all the technical. <laughs> yeah, so, so at least that was off your plate. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks to Tom for, for doing such a wonderful job with this series. So did you have any particular challenges that kind of stand out in your mind? Well, time is a challenge, of course. It <laughs> took a long time because this was something undertaken off and on. And during the process, some of the original recordings, which are on tape, um, which I didn't have, but Vasil Kovalenko did, deteriorated considerably. And then there were problems to try and to reconstruct what was on those tapes. I also lost some material at one point. Oh, oh dear. Lots of problems. Oh. Uh, and then verifying verifying the accuracy according to the timeline and recognizing that what I was doing was for radio. And yeah. this was not something for publication. It was to be suitable for radio, and I hope it it is. Yeah. What would you say you enjoyed most about doing this series? I think the sense of discovery and collaboration. I think those two are the most... Uh, important elements associated with this initiative for me. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I enjoy too about doing this is the collaboration and, and discovery of new music and meeting new people. And so mm-hmm. it was an absolute delight talking with you, Nadia, and uh, getting to know you. Thanks so much for the work that uh, you've done and that you still do delving into our wonderful Ukrainian music heritage. And I'm sure I can speak for Nash Holos listeners that uh, we all look forward to hearing this three-part series on the Kuban Cossacks on upcoming editions of the show. Well, thank you very much, but I do hope your listeners will have a little ear out for snippets from the Ed Sullivan Show, oh. from Bing Crosby. Uh-huh. Well, there are little treasures. Yes, oh. I was thrilled when I found these, uh. thanks to Vasil Kovalenko. Yes. Well, um, please uh, give him our thanks. I've, I've only listened to snippets of it, so I'm looking forward to hearing it, all three of the uh, parts of this series. So thank you once again, Dushet Yakuyu. And, and looking forward to more of your work, hopefully, in the future. 
Thank you. Thanks. Ви слухаєте наш голос Радіо Українського коріння, котре подається вам на хвилі CHLY 101.7 FM у місті Нанаймо. І з вами Оксана і Павліна. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo with your hosts Oksana and me, Pavlina. And now, part one of Nadia Kazimira's three-part series on the Kuban Cossacks. Вже минає 60 років, відколи кубанські козаки Група танцю і пісні вперше проявилися на сценах Австралії. Вони захопили глядачів від перших виступів своїми енергійними танцями і жвавою музикою, яка привернула увагу до історії Кубані та до нащадків запорозьких козаків. Самі родом з Кубані цей ансамбль «Кубанські козаки» був створений трьома молодими українцями – Василем Коловиленком та братами Олександром та Миколою Кумпан – в Мельбурні, в Австралії в 1956 році. Хлопці приїхали з батьками до Австралії після втечі на Захід наслідком Другої світової війни. Виступали по Австралії як аматорська танцювальна група на різних фестивалях, аж з'явилася можливість виїхати до Європи в 1959 році. The nucleus of the dancing group, which became known as the Kuban Cossacks, had its beginnings in Melbourne, Australia, at St. Luke's Hall, the site of the first Ukrainian club, where young refugees socialized and learned Ukrainian dance, music, and song. The song that you just heard became the ensemble's signature song. The Kuban Cossacks' three founding principal members, Vasil Kovalenko, Mikola Kumpan, and Alexander, known as Sashko Kumpan, born in Kuban, found refuge in Australia at the end of the Second World War. They each possessed a passion for dancing. This love of dance ultimately led them to Alexander Karasyov, an eminent ballet master and choreographer, and there they met. Karasyov provided his dance students with a rigorous, very disciplined training. He introduced Vasil, Mikola, and Sashko to the art of Ukrainian Cossack dancing, as well as to the intricacies of Tartar, Gypsy, Moldovan, Georgian, and other dance disciplines. While the initial foundation of the Kuban Cossacks Act was Ukrainian dance and later music, They recognized that versatility, adaptation, and constant development of their programs was required to reach a wider audience and keep their performances fresh and vibrant.
українського співу і гри на музичних інструментах. Василь Коваленко вивчив гру на гітарі у Дмитра Мушняги в Мельборні, який став музичним директором кубанських козаків у 1960-х роках. Він оформлював українську музику для ширшої світової громади. Микола Компан вивчив гру на кордіоні, якою чарував глядачів своєю досконалою технікою. А Сашко Компан привернув увагу своїм голосом. Прозвучала пісня про Гамалію до слів Тараса Шевченка. Музика та оформлення пісні Гамалії були Дмитра Мушняги, соліст Сашко Компан у супроводі Василя Коваленка і Миколи Компан. You heard Сашко, Василь and Микола sing Дмитро Мушняга's dynamic arrangement of the song Гамалія, written to Тарас Шевченко's epic poem about the fearless, freedom-loving Cossacks led by Otaman Hamalia. So how did the ensemble evolve onto the road to professionalism? As Vasil Kovalenko so aptly stated, To help us with our studies, we performed our Cossack dance at nightclubs, for which we were paid. Since we love to dance, what could have been a better arrangement? In those days, clubs had a live orchestra with accordion. Most of these musicians were new immigrants to Australia, and many were familiar with the Hopak and other Ukrainian melodies. So all we had to do was give the right tempo, and off we'd go like kangaroos with their tails on fire. What pushed the group to test their luck overseas in Europe? First, the recently established Australian Television 7 Network, which had transmitted the 1956 Summer Olympics in Melbourne, was preparing a celebration of its successful first year. Seeing an opportunity, Vasily Kovalenko offered the Kuban Cossacks Act for this celebratory program. And the following day of their TV performance, they were in receipt of an engagement offer sent to them by telegram from the program director of the Tivoli Entertainment Circuit. У 1957 році Василь звернувся до новоствореного телебачення яке поширювало першу Олімпіаду в Австралії в Мельборні, і питався, чи воно зацікавлено козаками-танцюристами? І так, через запрошення на телевізійну програму Channel 7's First Birthday, група козаків-танцюристів стала більш відомою в Австралії. 
особливо коли їх побачив директор театрів Тиволі в Австралії і їм запропонував виступи. Entertainment Circuit was a major outlet promoting both local and international artists and a broad spectrum of variety, dance, and comedy acts across Australia. Following their television performances, Vasil, Mikola, and Sashko were offered a spot in the show Fum a Furs, sparkling production on the Tivoli Theatre Circuit. This contract led to other offers, including the Checkers Club in Sydney and elsewhere in Australia in 1957 and 1958. Over this period, the young men honed their skills, providing one or two dazzling, high-energy dance routines mixed per show with music. Let's listen to Vasily Kovalenko recall the fatherly advice received once the group had two contracts in their hands and decided to seek their fortune in Europe. Prahaduje Vasily Kovalenko rishenya hrupi vejichat do Evropy, ta pitremku i poradu oboch patkiv, Свого і братів Кумпан. Наші батьки нам сказали, пан Кумпан, старий, значить, куманський казах, сказав, ну, їдьте в світ, хлопці, і не забувайте, що ви є українці, що ви є куманські козаки, і не соромтеся цього, і не, тобто не соромтеся і не засоромте себе. А мій батько сказав, ну, їдьте, танцюйте, але не за сухарики. Never forget who you are. Do not shame your name. Remember that you are Ukrainians. You are real Kuban Cossacks. And half-jokingly... Don't dance for them for peanuts. Lily Kovalenko was his wife whose voice you heard concurred, and she said, An individual can do nothing about it. Your heart always remains where you were born, whether you will it or not, and that is just how it is. 
Ось тільки в 1959 році, коли хлопці виїхали з Австралії, ця музична група трьох танцюристів-співаків стала себе професійно називати «кубанські козаки». Перед тим часто себе представляли як танцюристи-козаки. Зі собою взяли свою любов до кубанської традиції в співі, музиці і танцях, яку бажали прославити і поширити. Кубанські козаки виїхали перше до Голляндії, а опісля поїхали до Англії, щоб розвинути свою майбутність на міжнародній сцені, головно у театрах, де завжди привертали увагу до свого кореня, де б вони не виступали. That was Mikola Kompan, dazzling with his accordion solo playing Flick Flack by German jazz accordionist, bandleader, and composer Albert Vossen. A crowd pleaser, this solo gave the dancers a chance to catch their breath before the next acrobatic feat. The three men were interested in the world of entertainment and show business, which they courted eagerly from the very beginning. The Kuban Cossacks' first European appearance in 1959 began with a five-month run at the Royal Theatre Carré in Amsterdam as part of the comic Schnipp and Schnapp review. Then followed a five-month tour of Holland with 342 performances. That's at least two performances daily for the Kuban Cossacks. And soon, impresario Albert Tavel and Felix Mariani of the Albert Tavel Mariani Agency in Paris and Jaime Zoll from London's Foster's Agency arrived, negotiated, and struck a deal which would lead to many future engagements. Without this sadness 
Sashko Kumpan sing Oitadiv Chenus Huricha Zerna, O You Most Beautiful Girl. This was Ivan Franko's poem set to music by Dmitro Mushnyaha for the Kuban Cossacks, with English lyrics by Camilla Chance. The next stop after the Netherlands for the Kuban Cossacks was England. After seeing their Amsterdam debut, James Brennan, the well known British businessman from Blackpool, the seaside mecca of entertainment, offered them a spot during the 22-week summer season at his Queen's Theatre. Blackpool changed the Kuban Cossacks' theatrical course forever and ushered their meteoric rise in the industry. The British public was enchanted by their spectacular and exhilarating, fast-moving musical review, which broke attendance records at Queen's Theatre. With 243 performances, there was no turning back for the Kuban Cossacks. Imbued with this wondrous reception, the ensemble expanded their program repertoire, which eventually included more dancers, singers, and orchestral musicians. The act was disciplined and rehearsed prolifically to deliver top-quality entertainment. Thank you. 
following Blackpool, the Kuban Cossacks chose London, England as their home base, which would launch many performances in the 1960s. Here's a 1962 announcement from Billy Cotton, the larger-than-life Cockney character introducing the Kuban Cossacks on his BBC radio show. At its peak in the early 1960s, the show had an audience of 20 million and regular guests included Dionne Warwick, Cliff Richard, Tom Jones, Lulu, and the Kuban Cossacks. Now, ladies and gentlemen, last Sunday we had the pleasure of the company of the famous Kuban Cossacks on our television show. Apart from their jumping around and breaking their necks, they've got a very nice line in singing and playing. So, as they had no girls to meet today, because the girls can't understand their language until I interpret for them, they've agreed to come along here and entertain you for a few minutes. So, give a nice welcome to the Kuban Cossacks. And by the mid-1960s, Paris, France became another base for the Kuban Cossacks, in addition to London, England. The Kuban Cossacks performed nightly at Chez Rasputin, the renowned cabaret nightclub on the Champs-Élysées. Here they dazzled their audiences with bravura performances, with song and dance. What started as one contract would turn into on and off very successful engagements for many, many years. In short, as artists and entertainers, the Kuban Cossacks wanted to electrify the stage with their entertainment while earning steady remuneration and confirming their next gig. Vasil Kovalenko became the group's director and negotiated the first of many contracts with impresarios, such as Sol Shapiro of the William Morris Agency, with whom they had an exclusivity contract. Ultimately, the Kuban Cossacks became internationally known of a particular form of entertainment, Besides Ukrainian Cossack dance and music of the Kuban region and other parts of Ukraine, they also incorporated music of Broadway, or the hit parade, in their shows along with humorous banter. Over the years, they included many singers, dancers, and musicians in their shows. In particular, the swinging big band sound was incorporated in their performances, with compositions and arrangements written specifically for their routines. The Kuban Cossacks worked closely with many notable orchestras. For example, Stanley Black, Joe Loss, Val Parnell, Ami Barelli, and Sidney Lipton are living legends of the big band sound as jazz musicians, arrangers, and band leaders. And the Kuban Cossacks collaborated with them. They were their colleagues. Costumes, special lighting, and sound effects added to their glittering performances. So it comes as no surprise that based on their vision, business acumen, talent and skill, the Kuban Cossacks performed for over 35 years worldwide in all major centers of entertainment before throngs of spellbound admirers. Following their early efforts in Europe, the dynamic, action-filled performances of the Kuban Cossacks appeared from London to Paris, Madrid, Barcelona, Copenhagen, Geneva, Monte Carlo, Tokyo, New York to Las Vegas, and many, many places between. The 1960s saw them perform in various cabarets, nightclubs, television shows, casinos, and giving royal command performances in Monaco. The Kuban Cossacks literally danced their way around the world. As some entertainment tabloids advertised, 
and travel they did, crisscrossing the continents, appearing back in Australia, North America, Europe, and parts of Asia. By this time, the Kuban Cossacks show, running 45 to 60 minutes, included additional dancers, singers, and musicians. Depending on the show, over the years, there were up to 30 additional persons which were added to the Kuban Cossack performances, most of whom were not Ukrainian, but had the skill and stage presence to ensure the show's success. Scores of critics paid tribute to their stage performances as swordsmen, dancers, singers, and instrumentalists. Unique and original often resonated in the reviews, as did references to their spectacular, fast-paced performances. The promoters plied the media with everything at their disposal to bring in the crowds, and they came and left thrilled. Appearances included starring at the Chicago International Trade Fair, on Broadway at the New York's Latin Quarter, lengthy seasons in nightclubs in Texas and Nevada. For example, in Las Vegas's Tropicana Hotel, they gave 1,506 performances without a day off. Really a remarkable feat of endurance. They also gave over 200 performances on weekly television variety shows, such as The Ed Sullivan Show with Bob Hope and The Hollywood Palace Sunday Night at the London Palladium, just to name a few. Let's listen to a few of these notable announcements. The Ed Sullivan Show. The sensational Kuban Cossack Ukrainian songsters, swordsmen, dancers, and instrumentalists first met at the Olympic Games in Australia. And when Mr. Sullivan and I were in Monte Carlo, we saw them for the first time, and I signed them instantly. So here are the Kuban Cossacks, who were named after the River Kuban in the Ukraine. Gentlemen! Eddie Fisher hosting the Hollywood Palace TV show. I think we better get started right now, and I can't think of a better way than with the famous Cuban Cossacks and from the wild steppes of the Ukraine. Never been there, but... And they really do some wild steps. Here they are, the Cuban Cossacks. Bing Crosby hosting the Hollywood Palace TV show. I know you kids are going to enjoy our first act tonight because they do some wild folk dancing there right out of the steps of the Ukraine. That's the kind of work I used to do before I hurt my trick knee playing football up at Gonzaga University. It happened, you know, when Red Grange tackled me just as I was scoring the winning touchdown. You remember hearing about that, don't you, Harry? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> While they had traveled extensively, the Kuban Cossacks had not toured Canada yet. That would change in 1969, when the Kuban Cossacks accepted an invitation to perform at the National Ukrainian Festival in Dauphin, Manitoba, through the intervention of Cecil Simchishin a keen supporter of all things Ukrainian, particularly song and culture on the prairies. The Kuban Cossacks captivated attendees of the 1969 Dauphin Ukrainian Festival with their charismatic and energetic performances, which were attended by 50,000 persons. By the end of 1969, with 15 years of dancing, 
The Kuban Cossacks had performed in 21 countries, with over 8,000 performances to their credit. From that successful initiative sprang an idea to bring the Kuban Cossacks on a national Canadian tour. But that story, and others covering the following 20 years, the 1970s and 80s, is for the next installment of The Legacy of the Kuban Cossacks. Послухайте закінчення цього опису творчого життя танцювального ансамблю «Кубанські козаки» в окремому репортажі. Видовідайтеся про досягнення кубанських козаків на світових стенах у 1970-х і 80-х роках та про їхні виступи по Канаді. was part one of a three-part series on the amazing and legendary Kuban Cossacks. It was narrated by Nadia Kazimira of Ottawa. Nahadu you vislukhite radio programu Nash Holos Radio Nashaho Korinya. Nakveli CHLYs to Adeni Sim FM umisti nanaimo. Tsu hodenu bulas vame pavina. Dali peredeyu mikrofonu oksani. Ala peretemya hochu zalashitavas to kimislavame mudrostia. Nikto neznaya de yoho shastya chikaya. And our proverb of, of the week translates as no one knows where his fate awaits him. Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour and the end of my time with you here today. I'll be handing the microphone over to Oksana to host the show for the next half hour. But first, some important messages and the local news with Lisa Cardasco. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.